So, mote it be, yes, we're going to talk about Freemasonry today. Welcome, everybody, to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I'm your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart, Marty Leeds. As you guys know, that's why you're here. We do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. So thank you all for being here this morning. we got a flock of good birds, and the good birds get the worms. Early birds get the worms, good birds. So I just want to say uh, a few things before we get going here. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the good moms out there. Happy Mother's Day to... Uh, we got a bunch of good moms in this house. Uh, what do we got? Jamie Butler Greeley is in the house. We got Shandy, Shandy Miller's in the house. We got Shannon Seal in the house. We got Auntie Jake. We got all these good mamas. So uh, thank you all to the beautiful mamas who make this world go round, even though it's flat and stationary. We love you. Um, I just went hiking with my mama and my brother. We did about 40 miles in about four days, something like that. And we're going to go hiking again, weather permitting today. So spend some good time with your mama there. There's my mama down there. Double fist in like the Wisconsinite she is. <laughs> no, she just bought one glass of wine, but it was two for Tuesday. What's she going to do? So anyway, so uh, it's got to spend some good time with my mama. So happy Mother's Day. We love all you beautiful mamas out there. But it's not just Mother's Day. It's also Pie Day today. It's the actual Pie Day, as you guys know. So... What are you talking about? Well, it's May 14th today, and as you guys know, the calendar and the names of the, the months are kind of screwed up, right? So when we, we look at September, sept means seven, and yet it's the ninth month. October means eight, and yet it's the tenth month. Nov means nine, and yet it's the eleventh month. Deca means ten, and yet December's the twelfth month. And that doesn't make any sense. December should be ten, September should be seven, etc. So if you actually correlate the numbers to the names of the the months and you start in march march becomes the first month march april may so today may 3rd or excuse me may which is the third month 314 it's actually pi day now nobody on the internet celebrates pi day the actual pi day except us here so but there it's also interesting because this will tie into what we're going to talk about today um you know what else happened on may 14th on 314 do you know what else happened Israel became a state. 
Israel became a nation. It was recognized, at least uh, <laughs> not to everybody, but uh, that's when America recognized Israel as a nation again. It was on May 14th, I was on Pi Day in 1948. Just saying, just sipping my coffee and yeah, anyway. So, all right, let's get into it. We're going to do a prayer. This is a Masonic prayer. And then we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff today. It might be a long one. I hope you guys strap in. It's going to be good. Holy and merciful God, who answerest prayer and dost not scorn the petition of the humblest of thy children, bestow upon us in our parting that spirit of affection, which can resist the selfishness of the world and cause us to remember our obligations to each other and to thee. Grant that we may be permitted with loving hearts to assemble here again for thine honor, for our instruction, and for the good of our fellow man, all of which we ask for thy name's sake. Amen. That's a Masonic prayer because we're going to be talking about, this is episode 67 of the Sunday Sermons, and this is called Freemasonry, Jesus, and the Jews. Now, I've talked about this subject, I don't know, probably like four years ago or something like that, but I thought since there's lots of new people here, there's the, we do talk about Freemasonry and that sort of stuff, so people are like, what's going on? So I figured we'd cover, we'd do a little triumvirate here, a little Trinitarian thing of Jesus, Freemasonry, and the Jews. We're going to talk about all three of these today, and um, you'll see why. We're going to clear up some things for hopefully a lot of people. So, first off, why are we discussing Freemasonry? Um, because, and here is where any new people, I'll probably lose them right now, I am pro-Freemasonry. No, I'm, I don't think Freemasonry is a satanic organization. We're going to cover that today. I am pro-Freemasonry. And we'll talk about that. Why? What really is Freemasonry? Freemasonry, as you guys know, what do we discuss here at the church? We discuss, we're part of the mystery school tradition. That's what, that's what, and we'll read that as we move forward, but that's really what we teach. We teach the mystery school tradition. Now, that really is an umbrella term um, for a lot of, um, you know, religious studies and doctrines and spiritual, do you know, that sort of stuff over, that's, had, that's, you know, popped up over the years. That includes Gnosticism. That includes Freemasonry. That includes Theosophy. That includes Rosicrucianism. We study the mystic and the esoteric, the syncretic, the comparative mythological. Excuse me. And so that's what we study. And Freemasonry is part of that. It is part of the mystery school tradition. And we're going to talk about uh, the mystery school tradition, Gnosticism and stuff like that, and its, and, its, and its relationship to the church. Okay, This actually comes from William Kingsland. I've read this before, but uh, I want to read it again because it's pretty powerful. And it really sums up really what this church is all about. Okay, And this, uh, once again, William Kingsland great esotericist. It is my endeavor now to show how the supreme knowledge, which I am here referring to as the ancient wisdom or gnosis, and this is what we mean by gnosis, the ancient wisdom, that's the supreme knowledge, is embodied in the Christian scriptures. Gnosis or the ancient wisdom is embodied in the Christian scriptures, and that's what we teach. Albeit sadly overlaid with the precepts and doctrines of men. Amen, Brother Kingsland. That's exactly what we see going on with the Holy Bible, right? In here, as I've come to find over the years, is absolute, unparalleled genius. Whole of divine sciences uh, and, and, and understanding of the world and who you are and where you come from and God Almighty and everything like that is, is front and center in this thing. It hasn't lost its, you know, it's 100%. It hasn't lost its sheen, if you will. What has been lost is the understanding of it. 
the knowledge and the gnosis of it and what, what has been laid over top of it? Well, he says right there, the precepts and doctrines of men. Just as we say at this church, what do we mean by, where you guys are Gnostic, what do you mean? This is exactly what we mean, period. I am not using the term gnosis as applying merely to the tenets of a certain Gnostic sects, which were more or less in evidence in the early centuries of the Christian era. We're not talking about them. But I am using it in connection with the definite super knowledge, that ancient wisdom or gnosis, which can be traced back to the most remotest of ages and the oldest scriptures of which we have any literary records, and which was taught by initiates, adepts, and masters of the ancient wisdom in the inner circles of the mysteries and the mystery cults. There's a long tradition of this. We are perpetuating, we are continuing on with that tradition which are known to have existed in Egypt elsewhere. We'll talk about that in the remotest of times. This shit's old, in other words. That is the sense in which the term was originally understood. That's how we use it today. It is the mystic knowledge which affects regeneration, rebirth into the full consciousness of one's divine nature and powers as a son of God. That's what we teach. That's what Freemasonry is all about. It's a part of that mystery school tradition. It is a modern-day mystery school. This is what Freemasonry is. Don't let, as somebody who's studied it for a very, very long time, anybody else that's bringing this definition to what Freemasonry is literally has no idea what they're talking about. Even ex-Freemasons, because they actually never learned any of the ancient wisdom. The definition of Freemasonry that is that it the definition of Freemasonry that it is a science of morality, veiled in allegory and illustrated by symbols, that's exactly what it is has been so often quoted that were it not for its beauty, it would become wearisome. This is when you read Masonic doctrine, you'll get this again and again and again and again and again. This is what it is. It's a science. <laughs> Hold on to that word. A science of morality veiled in allegory and illustrated in symbols. Now, the churches have had a long-standing issue with Freemasonry, Gnosticism, stuff like that, and we're going to explain exactly why. So here's... Father Peter Hears is who he is. He's an Orthodox priest, and this is what he has to say. Um, he thinks Freemasonry is satanic. Freemasonry, another religion, is a religion of Antichrist, a religion of Satan. Freemasonry is totally incompatible with Orthodoxy, period. <laughs> Can I be more clear? Yeah. It is satanic. Freemasonry is not some benign social organization. There might be people who think that. They're very deluded. They don't know their own organization. Contemporary saints have examined Freemasonry. Elder Athanasius has five lectures on Freemasonry. He talks about it all the time in his lectures. And they're very, very clear. The Orthodox Church of Greece has condemned Freemasonry as incompatible with being an Orthodox Christian in council. In council. Multiple times. Multiple so times. There's no question on the Orthodox side that Freemasonry is incompatible with being an Orthodox Christian. So that was Father Peter Hears there. And he was, as you saw, the Freemasonry is satanic. We all got together in our council. He even repeated, in our council, several times. And we figured this out. Do you know what else they went in and got, did in council? As we called it, the vaccine creed. Not the, it's not the Nicene Creed, it's the vaccine creed. This, this church got together. Not, not, all of the saint, not all of the bishops and fathers, whatever, agreed to this. But, um, of course, none of them really went out and called out virology or called out the companies that were behind the vax or called out the entire infrastructure that pushed this agenda forward. No, right? This is what the, as, as we've covered before, according to a synodical statement, the hierarchs of the Orthodox Greek church, the Greek Orthodox church, the hierarchs unanimous, unanimously affirmed that the church not only permits vaccinations against diseases, but that she encourages her faithful after medical tests to be vaccinated against 
or with the approved vaccines of SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19. They got into their council, they prayed about it, then they told their entire flock, we've covered this before, that they should. So they went to their council and they 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 listened to God and they're like, yep, Freemasonry is satanic and you should totally get the gibbities. Religious exemptions from the vaccine stated emphatically that there is no exemption in the Orthodox Church for her faithful friendly vaccination for religious reasons. Didn't even give you an exemption. So this is the problem. Now, of course, we just called a spade a spade. <laughs> <laughs> we just used our noggins and our hearts and, you know, uh, follow the money and use the brain that God gave us. And we could see that everybody that was behind this agenda would be literally con con considered antichrist. They themselves would consider themselves antichrist. That's not even a claim. That's not even like us saying that. They would be like, yeah, we're not for Christ. We're Jews. So this is Manly Palmer Hall, one of the premier Freemasons, Freemasons of the last hundred years or so, whatever, talk about, this was in 1923, I think, or 19-something, um, 20s, 30s, something like that. Uh, the crime of vaccination. This is what Manly Palmer Hall wrote. How much longer will people have to pay for the smallpox, for to pay to have smallpox is the problem confronting large number of people. You know, many vaccinated people have succumbed to smallpox while many of people, you know, basically calling out vaccination. The crime of vaccination. Now this now this issue that mystery school traditions, Gnosticism, Freemasonry and stuff like that have had with the church has been going on a long time. As I've said, there's been a there's been this conflict a really long time. And I'll explain why there is a conflict. And it's not because the Freemasons are satanic and the Gnostics are satanic and the Knights Templar are satanic. Um, this once again comes from William Kingsland. The Gnostic sects of the early Christian centuries who were so virulently attacked by some of the dogma-making church fathers. This has been going on a long time. In other words, Friar Cuck here, Father Peter hears, he's been Freemasonry of Titanic. With all the church fathers, we prayed upon it, we went into council, they've been talking about this a long time, right? This is exactly who Kingsland is talking about. It's happening today. The Gnostic sects of the early Christian centuries were so virulently attacked by some of the dogma-making church fathers derived their teachings from the mystery school cult, just like we do. But at the same time, many of them claimed the, the Christian scriptures as an authority for their teachings, just like we do. Let's read that again. These dogma-making church fathers were upset because the Gnostics are actually going to bring understanding to the Bible. And they got their teachings from the mystery school tradition. And they claim the Christian scriptures as their authority, just like we do. This has been going on a long, long time. Gradually, however, as Christian doctrine became hardened and more and more dogmatic, and the government of the church fell into the hands of prelates, ambitious for worldly power and quarreling amongst themselves for precedence, this higher knowledge became a heresy. And what records are left of it are mainly the misrepresentations of its bitter opponents among the church fathers. The church fathers, even today, can't really understand their good book. Why? Because they, they ignore all of the science that's within it. And this is what the Gnostic, this is what the mystery school tradition brings forward. It's like, hey, you guys missed all of this. They see it and it's a threat to them. So they have to say, no, 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 those guys are satanic. What do they, what does Friar um, Peter 
hears there, Father Peter hears, what does he not know anything about? Kabbalah? That's satanic. Gematria? You don't know anything. Satanic? Astrotheology or astrology? Guarantee he doesn't know anything about it. He probably knows something about symbolism and psychology. Does he know anything about archaeoastronomy? About how your cathedrals are lined up to the stars? Probably nothing. Numerology? Know anything about it? No. Architecture, sacred geometry, probably knows a little bit. Seven classic liberal arts, probably know a few of those. Doesn't know cosmology, though, because they're still on their spinning ball. Hermetic and al alchemical corpus, they're, they're hermeneutics. Their they're biblical exegesis is called hermeneutics. It's based on Hermes, Mercurius, Trismegistus. What do they do? Reject it. Etymology and linguistics, they deal with that a little bit. Reverence for the mystical sciences, they have none. The, or, the, the, the churches, not just Orthodox, Catholic, any church that really gains power, what happens is that when somebody tries to over, comes in and actually uproots that power, they have to stamp it out. They have to call it satanic or whatever. This is exactly what's going on. This is exactly what's going on with Freemasonry. This is exactly what's going on with Gnosticism. The Orthodox Church says Revelation is the only part of the Bible that is not used in Orthodox worship services. The end book of this book, they don't read. Why? Because they don't understand it. Why? Because they don't know any of this. And because they don't know any of this, when they see this and any attachment to this, what do they say? It's nonsense. It's satanic. That's uh, against the will of God. Antichrist. Whatever. They'll just throw words. That's exactly what's going on. They don't understand it. That's why they don't read it. Do you know who does understand it? This comes from Morals and Dogma, Albert Pike. This, uh, this comes from page 3... 21, I want to say, something like that. The, and then he's talking about Revelation here, directly. Listen to what Pike says. The Apocalypse, indeed, is a book as obscure as the Zohar. It's a book of, of total obscurity. It is written hieroglyphically with numbers and images. Well, if you're not going to, if you don't understand Gematria or Kabbalah or numerology, how are you possibly going to understand any of the numbers in, in Revelation? You're not. That's why they don't read it. And the apostle often appeals to the intelligence of the initiated. The book of Revelation appeals to your own intelligence. That's what he's saying. Then we go to the Orthodox tradition. What do they say? We don't read it. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. Because you guys have no clue. Let him who hath understanding, let, let him, excuse me, let him who hath knowledge understand. Let him who understands calculate. He often says, after an allegory of the mention of number, St. John, the favorite apostle and the depositary of all the secrets of the Savior, therefore did not write it to be understood by the multitudes. The book of Revelation was not written to be understood by everybody. It's only it's written to be understood by the initiates. Gnostics is really what it is. The apocalypse sums up, completes, and surpasses all the science of Abraham and Solomon. Veiled by figures of the enigmatic dogmas of the Kabbalah, and their symbols are as little understood by the commentators as those of Freemasonry. Here, Pike is saying that the biblical scholars and all the Orthodox and the bishops and the saints and the fathers, they don't understand it. And guess what? Most of people that get into the Freemasonic Lodge don't understand it. That's what he's saying. Then he says this. The septenary is the, this is straight from the book. The septenary is the crown of the numbers. Because it unites the triangle of the idea to the square of the form. That thing right there. That's the, that's the, uh, according to Pike, that's the crown of the numbers. You know what that thing does? Helps you decode this thing. So, 
they don't understand Gnostics threaten alleged church authority. Freemasons, people, Knights Templar, people that go into the esoteric and the mystic, that take up an autodidactic approach, they threaten church authority. And basically what we do is we expose that there, there is no church authority. There is only God. He is the authority. Gnostics bring back, put the Bible back into people's hands. That's what happens. It takes it out of the church and said, we've got all the answers. We've got the big, you know, we've got the hats. We've got this. This is a costume. Look at this. Let me show you this. That's a costume. Look at that. We've got the robes and the hats and we do all the rituals and the prayers and stuff like that, but you don't understand any of it. And we've got the, you have to come through us because we have apostolic succession where the, the Catholics claim this and the Protestants claim this and Orthodox claim it. Which one of you guys is right? Gnostics put the Bible back into people's hands by allowing the book to be read again. This is, you know, when countries throw out members of Judaism and then they start reading their Bibles again, do you know what happens? Revolutions renaissances rebirths not revolutions as in like overthrows of government stuff like renaissances rebirths and we by allowing the book to be read again through reason understanding logic and making palatable sense of scripture making sense of it you know how many people have stopped by this church literally like i just got two messages this week basically being like oh my god it's like finally somebody's making sense of the bible that's what gnostics do because we don't follow their chibis my lord you kept me up last night now you're banging on the door this is a church service cat anyway <laughs> god bless it so now freemasons the problem is is yeah but all these free they're all these bad freemasons this actually comes from this is a comment from small acts and the reason i'm highlighting this not because i'm trying to call out small acts because i want to help people understand so he had mentioned this he said he was agreeing with my sentiments on Oh my lord! My sentiments on free, uh, you know, basically Freemasonry isn't this evil thing like everybody thinks. And he said, "Yeah, agreed." But people cannot get. Oh my lord! No. Speaking of evil things. Speaking of demons. <laughs> Say hi, TVs. Hi, Cheebs. Say hi. The whole world, Cheebs. Cheebs, the whole world. Uh, this is what Small Axe said. Yeah, but people cannot get past the fact that so many world deceivers are clearly high-ranking Mason hijackers. This cannot be denied. Yes, it can, small acts. Astronauts, politicians, etc., etc. So what WTF? How can Masonry be cleansed of these freaking monster hijackers? Well, the problem is, is that most people assume that people are Masons, and they're not at all. In fact, most of the people that are being claimed to be Masons are not Masons. Do you know who does this in spades? Eric Dubay. Eric Dubay, who is... His, his name equals 33. That means he's... It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> so, Eric Dubay. So, this is a video that he made that... And this is... Um, it, I'm just going to play this clip. It's like a minute and maybe like 10 seconds. And it's super annoying, by the way. This is really going to annoy you for the next minute. So, hang with me. And But it really embodies, in a sense, this next clip, it really embodies the last 12 years of me trying to get truthers to, to understand that masonry is not the, the problem in this world. Masonry is actually, in some senses, the solution, okay? This, is, this, is the, this embodies my frustration over the last 12 years of um, trying to get truthers to look at masonry with actually, you know, be honest with it. 
So what Eric Dubay here does is he goes through in like a minute and lists, I don't know, a dozen, a couple dozen or whatever people that he said, these are all 33rd degree Masons, right? And I just go through and show you that majority of the ones that he's claiming are Masons are not Masons. So let's watch this and it's super annoying. All the following people are, were also Masons, most of them 33rd degree. Buzz Aldrin, John Glenn, Yasser Arafat, Tony Blair, John Wilkes Booth, James Cameron, Winston Churchill, Walt Disney, Bob Dole, Frederick Engel, Newt Gingrich, Gail Gorbachev, Al Gore, Billy Graham, Richard Holbrook, J. Edgar Hoover, Colonel Mandel House, Saddam Hussein, I told you it was annoying. Jesse James, Jesse Jackson, Henry Kissinger, Vladimir Lenin, Robert McNamara, Karl Marx, George Alfred Milner, Benjamin Netanyahu, Albert Pike, Prince Philip, Colin Powell, Cecil Rhodes, James Rothschild, Charles Taze Russell, Joseph Stalin, Strom Thurmond, Leon Trotsky, Paul Warburg, H.G. Wells, and thousands more. Britney Spears, Zach Galifianakis, Howie Mandel, Joe Rogan. <laughs> okay, I think you get the point. I told you it was annoying. Anyway, um, so the pro that's the problem. Is most people are like they're all Masons? No, they're not. Um, and I'll I'll explain how you can actually prove this that that they're not Masons, right? Masons don't. They have secrets, but they don't keep secrets about who's Masons. Now. What a lot of like flat earthers and things will do or people that are like question the moon landing, <laughs> question the moon landing, clearly see that the moon landing was a joke, that what they'll do is they'll be like, well, you know, uh, Buzz, he was a Mason or these guys are Masons or something like that. Well, Neil Armstrong, as far as I know, was not a Mason, but I always say, look at these guys. Do they look like their hat? Do they look like they just, they just, uh, you know, uh, did essentially what a big false flag or whatever, if you will, right? They just lied to the entire world and then they got back from the moon. Do these guys look happy about it? Everybody's like, yeah, but Buzz was a Mason. Oh, Masons, 33rd, whatever. Look at them. They look guilty as sin. They look like, oh, we just got screwed. We just got, you know, Buzz Aldrin has been, I can guarantee, blackmailed and brownstoned and MK Ultra and drugged to shit. These guys do not look like they're happy to be part of the quote unquote conspiracy. It looks like they signed some NDAs and they're like, you guys shut your mouths now. We went to the frickin' moon. A lot of people don't mention Gus Grissom, another Freemasonry, because Freemasonry, the, the space programs, no. On January 22nd, I think it's 32nd, 33rd degree, Gus Grissom made a brief stop at home. He grabbed a lemon from his tree, went back to the, <laughs> went back to where, you know, NASA was faking everything and put a lemon on the lunar module. And he basically said, this shit ain't going to the moon. You know what a lemon is? It's it's a piece of junk. It's a it's a vehicle that's a piece of junk. 33rd degree Mason. You know what ended up happening to Gus? Like a week later, two weeks later, he died in a crash. It was an accident. So where does a lot of this stuff come from, by the way? Well, we talk about the Judaic aspect of it. But I also did a whole video talking about the, the Royal Society actually is the one, not any secret societies, not the Gnostics, not the Knights Templar or the Freemasons or the International Order of the Oddfellows. That's not where this stuff is coming from. Where does it come from? Well, the brief, the Royal Society will just t tell you, it's like, yeah, most of the stuff comes from us. So I did a whole video on this. 
What did the Royal Society promote? The works of Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton is the greatest name in the history of the society. He was elected a fellow in 1671. They work directly with the government. The government freely invokes the society, the, the, the Royal Society's advice, and aid is readily rendered in scientific questions of all kinds. They're a private corporation, but they work directly with the government. What else did the Royal Society promote? They'll just tell you. Straight up. The Cavendish experiment, Henry Cavendish, famous for his fundamental works in physics, physics and chemistry. You know the Cavendish experiment where he weighed the earth, the spinning ball of the earth. The Copernican theory, Galileo, Kepler, they, they literally printed their books, pushed this stuff. The works of Galileo, they, a discourse concerning the new planet, tending to prove that tis our, our earth is one of the planets. Copernican, all of these guys, satellites, Antarctica. In this connection, uh, mention many, perhaps, the society's expedition to Antarctica. The society also took part in the organization of the tracking the first artificial Earth satellite. Not the Masons. They're literally telling you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Task. Sir Isaac Newton. Uh, UNESCO. The society takes part in the work of the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. UNESCO. They also give away the Darwin Medal. You know. Those who have... Anyway. So, the point that I'm making is that a lot of people will see people that are into the occult or what, that sort of stuff or like, you know, they, they might lather themselves in, the, in symbolism and stuff like that that could, be, that could be construed to Freemasonry, but they're not Masons at all. They have nothing to do with that order. They're just dark occultists. None of these people are Masons. None of them. Not Pope Francis, not Klaus Schwab, not George Soros, not Mark Root, or Gavin Newsom, or Tony Blair, or Yagmeet Singh. Talk about wearing a costume, Yagmeet. Anthony Fauci is not a Freemason. Freemasons don't hide. They don't hide. They have secrets in their order, just like you and your wife have secrets in your bedroom, right? Just like a company has secrets about the meeting, that's why they do closed-door meetings. They have secrets there. That does not mean they're secret. Masons, when you go into most towns, they'll be like, free and accepted Masons. There'll be a sign. They're not hiding anything. How many, how, I'll get to that in just a second. They brag about it. They brag about being Masons, right? I mean, not, they're not braggadocious about it, but they don't hide it in this sense. You know, and a lot of times, a lot of these Masons, as we'll talk about today, are useful idiots. They're just as, they're just as deluded as anybody that's in and out of the churches of these day, today. Masonry has, in, in many ways, lost its way, just like the churches, and we'll talk about that. So they write books, 100 Famous Freemasons, from A to Z. They're proud of it. There's also people ask like, well, how do you know so much about Masonry even though you're not a Mason? I, by the way, I've been told by many Masons over the years that I'm an honorable Mason. Even though I don't sign up, I don't pay lodge dues, I don't wear, I don't wear silly gloves and silly hats and stuff like that. Yes, I'll make fun of the Masons too. Um... They, because I've done so much work in masonry and things like that, they see me as like an honorary mason, right? And, well, how, how do I know so much about masonry? Because they're not secret about it. You can learn all about masonry. As I, I made this meme a long time ago, hundreds of books by Masonic authors available at literally Barnes and Nobles, discussing at length exactly what masons believe. And then there's, it's like, all right, keep your secrets then. It's like, they're, they're not secret. You can download PDFs, you can order the books. So... So here's the question when we want to blame masonry for, for a lot of this stuff in the world, or Gnostics, or the esoteric orders, or occult people that are into the occult, which is what we do here, the hidden. 
ask yourself this question. If the government forced these groups to wear a badge slash symbol of their affiliation, which one would have an issue doing so? Masons don't hide. Masons have necklaces and rings and hats and jackets. They put emblems on the back of their car. When you drive into town, you there'll be a free and accepted Masons. You'll go, there's a big Masonic sign in front of their buildings. You drive through Broadhead here, there's a big, they're not hiding anything. So if the government, for, like in World War II, it's like, ah, if you were a Jew, you had to wear the, the Star of David, right? So... If that happened again, the government's like, you have to show us who you're affiliated with. Which one of these groups would have an issue doing this? Christians wouldn't. We wear stuff all the time, right? We like plaster it on our cars and have our houses decorated with stuff. And we wear, you know, Christian crosses and all that sort of stuff. Masons do the same. They have they have jackets. You can go to the, a bunch of online places where you can order books and jackets and rings and stuff like that. Then there's the one on the left. So who is really the secret society here? Who is really trying to hide? Who's John um, John Leibowitz? He's not John Leibowitz. He's John Stewart. Who's trying to hide here? Who's really the quote-unquote secret society? Now, the reason I'm talking about this as well and, and pro-Freemasonry is because what you'll find is that a lot of these guys are stand-up a lot of these Masons are unbelievably good dudes, solid people. And I think it was Whiskey, I want to say, that had, had had this question because I think she had mentioned me or messaged me and she was basically saying like, hey, I think my grandfather or father or something like that was a Mason and it always disturbed me because then I got into the truth community and then the truth community was always like, yeah, they're all Satan worshippers, right? And then so I was like, well, no, no, that's not, that's not the case. So I've heard, I've heard this over the years many times where people have asked like, oh, you know, my family member was a Mason. Does that mean that grandpa was a Satanist? No, chances are it means that he was a really good dude. He was really well read. He was understanding. He was philanthropic. He was charitable. You know, he, he gave his time to the community. He taught people. Chances are, now you can't just say that about all Masons. Like, all Masons are good. No, that's not the case at all. But chances are, Masonry is all about making good men better. better. Since time immemorial. That's like their, their hashtag there, if you will. And uh, their, their whatever. You know what I'm saying. Um, so chances are he was a really good dude. So if you have Masons in your family, you know, don't worry. He wasn't... He wasn't having sex with a goat or anything like that. What Masons are dedicated to and what we're dedicated to, this is why it's called the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. We're a church and academy. We do religious study. Because Masons will tell you that study, that um, intellectualism, scholar, you know, being scholarly, doing your due diligence in, in, in all of these different you know, areas of study is quintessential to your path up the holy mountain, if you will. This is a classic theme that you'll find within masonry where they'll have uh, certain steps, right? The first three steps are your first three degrees of masonry. And that's just your first three steps, by the way. That's just you entering into what would be considered an initiated or an, or an adept, right? And that's your um, entered, apprentice, fellowship, craft, master mason. Those are your three steps. It's three. It's trinitar trinitarian. Then you go up and it's got the five is like the, the Greek pillars, and then it's just representative of, once again, steps of knowledge. And then the last seven are your seven classic liberal arts. Uh, grammar, rhetoric, logic, cosmology, number, geometry, um, and music. 
And of course, we study all those things here. You know, not music so much. We do do Tuesdays with Marty, but not music so much. But the rest of them, we sp- we we spend a lot of time on number, a lot of time on geometry, a lot of time on cosmology. We spend a lot of time on on words. We we get into the Greek, we get into Hebrew, we get into English, we go to French, Spanish, all that sort of stuff. We study that here because that's what this church is all about: perpetuating this tradition. And this tradition, as we know, well, you know, calls out who needs to be called out. Um, so what you'll have, so we talked about last week, we talked about this guy here, Handsome Truth, right? And so I sort of praised him last week. Let's, let's sort of rip on him this week a little bit. Ah, uh, if there's any people from HD here, now they're, now they're going to be like, yeah, see, this guy's all about masonry, oh, right? So this is what, one of the things that HT Handsome Truth had posted on his gab. He's like 33 and Freemasonry. And it's a, it's a montage of a bunch of people saying 33. Well, I knew that this was ridiculous. So, so anyway, um. Just because somebody uses the number 33 doesn't mean they're tied to Freemasonry. Masonry, actually, the Blue Lodge doesn't even have 33 degrees. It has three. The only 33 that is mentioned in Masonry directly is the Scottish Rite. So I use the word, or I use the title Marty Leads 33 for years because of this, because people will see 33, or they'll see people, you know, elites using it, and therefore they're like, 33, Masonry, bad, satanic, that's it. That's all I need to know. And that's nonsense. It's absolute ridiculous what you'll actually find is and so you know love you ht but you're a little off on this all right and that's what happens really with esoterica that's what happens with the gnostic tradition people don't understand it right and so they see it from afar whatever they just link it all up it's all bad it's all occult and then just sort of put it in a corner right and what you'll end up finding and this happens in the truth community all the time this this happens right now i'm not going to name names but i could name a few names right what happens is People will, and this is a huge issue. This is a huge issue, honestly. People will claim that which they do not understand as satanic, retarded, or nonsense. It happens all the time. You know how many times people have said, he's antichrist. Oh, the gematria is retarded. Oh, what he's doing with star study is all nonsense. That's it. They can't really go in and actually do a play-by-play of what, they can't read the 550-page book, Lord Jesus Christ, and be like, well, I'm going to debunk this. No, you're not. You're never going to do that. You can't do that. So what do they do? I don't understand it. All bad, satanic, retarded nonsense. That is how so many people operate. And Gamatria is a perfect example of that. Or, or Kabbalah. You don't understand anything about... Most people have no idea about Kabbalah. So what do they do? Satanic. Okay. Well, that's the problem. Because you didn't actually go up those steps. You didn't actually learn. You didn't actually challenge. You weren't autodidactic. You just listen to Friar Cuck. And that becomes the problem. Gnostics expose that. And after a while, people are like, oh, well, God, that makes that makes sense. Freemasonry brought me to Christ. Why one of the reasons that we're talking about Freemasonry, and that's going to lead us into Jesus and the Jews. Freemasonry brought me to Christ. I, and I'll show you this. When I started, you know, studying Freemasonry and all the all the um appendant topics and subjects that come with the Gnostic tradition, right? Alchemy and Hermeticism and Rosicrucianism and studying the Knights Templar and stuff like that. Again and again and again and again, it would bring us back to the Word. It would bring me back to Christ. You just read it and they'd be like, well, blah, 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 Christ. Okay? And let me just give you some examples. Page one, chapter one, illustrations of masonry. Although the origin of our fraternity is clouded with darkness and its history is 
to a great extent obscure. All he's saying is that we don't know the history of Freemasonry. We don't know where it started when it, because that's part of the mystery. It's called the legend of the craft. We can confidently say that it is the most ancient society in the world, the society of actual builders. You know, the archaeological record that we're left with all around the world, you know, with all of these buildings, what could you say about them? They were masons. They were building temples to God out of what? Stone. And we are equally certain that its principles are based on pure morality, that its ethics are the ethics of Christianity. So that's chapter one, page one, illustrations of masonry. Once again, you read, you actually get into masonry and this is what it'll say. On the subject of the religious character of Freemasonry, Dr. Oliver in the main agrees with Hutchinson. So there's the Hutchins, Hutchinsonian view of this, the Oliver view of this, that, that Freemasonry is a Christian institution, that all its myths and symbols have a Christian interpretation. They do. And we'll show that next week when we do the compasses and square. I was going to do that this week. A lot of math next week. But we'll, and we'll cover it a bit today. The order was originally instituted in accordance with the true principles of the Christian religion. He said still more emphatically, Freemasonry contains scarcely a single ceremony, symbol, or historical narration which does not apply to this glorious consummation of the divine economy of the Creator towards His erring creatures, by which economy He, of course, means the Christian dispensation and the Christian scheme of redemption. Masonry leads you to Christ. Masonry is thus made by him to assume in this third stage of its progressive growth a purely Christian character. The introduction of rites and ceremonies under the Jewish law, which had been derived from the neighboring heathen nations, had clouded and obscured the service of God and consequently corrupted the second stage of Masonry as established by Moses and followed by Sol Solomon. God perceiving the ruin, which was overwhelmingly um, mankind by this pollution of his ordinances and laws devised a new scheme for redeeming his creatures from the errors into which they had fallen and this scheme was typified in the third or master's stage in the progressive course of masonry hence the master's degree the end uh, entered apprentice fellowship craft and he become a master mason hence the master's degree is in the, in this theory exclusively a christian invention the legend receives a purely Christian interpretation and the allegory of Hiram Abiff is made to refer to the death or abolition of Jewish law and the establishment of the new dispensation under Jesus Christ. Let's keep going. Finally, he explains the allegory of the third degree as directly referring to Christ. Thus, the master mason represents a man under the Christian doctrine saved from the grave of iniquity and raised to the faith of salvation as the great testimonial that we are risen from the state of corruption, we bear the emblem of the Holy Trinity as the insignia of our vows and the origin of the Master's Order. Swedish, this is, I think this comes from the Swedish Manual of Freemasonry. This is, what, this is the oath that they take behind closed doors, the secrets. Oh, the secrets of Freemasonry. Marty's going to expose them. This is the oaths that they take. <clears throat> Ready? Have you received Christian baptism? I have. Do you believe in God the Father, God the Son, and the God the Holy Ghost? I do. Do you believe that God the Son was made to save us? I do. Do you believe in the inspiration of the Holy Ghost? I do. Are you willing to protect the Christian faith at the expense of your life? I am. <laughs> I do, for, once again, same manual. I do furthermore swear that with this sword of my faith, I will guard and defend the tomb and sepulcher of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ against all Jews, Turks, infidels, and heathens, and other uh, opposers of the gospel. 
He said in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, I arm you with the sword as a distinguishing mark of your approbation, and I am persuaded that you will employ it in the defense of our gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ against all those who all those who may oppose the same. They're not saying to go out and destroy all it's you know other religions. That's not what it's saying. It's saying if these people are opposing Christianity, you will defend it. They're trying to destroy it. Now, once again, part of that mystery school tradition is what? The Knights Templar. As we know, unlike um, the initial degrees conferred in a regular Masonic Lodge, which regular Masonic Lodge allows anybody that comes in that's, you know, if you believe in God, you essentially come in and there's there's a stipulations to that. But essentially that's it. You can't, you can't be an atheist and be a Mason, okay? Um, Masonic Lodge requires only belief in a supreme being, regardless of religious affiliation. But the Knights Templar is one of the several orders, additional appended bodies of masonry, as you will, additional Masonic orders, in which membership is only open to Freemasons who profess a belief in Christianity. Now, there's the, the as you guys know, at least the lore, the legend, as we're told uh, in, our, in our history, that the Templars were burned, they were persecuted directly by what? The Catholic Church. Why? Why? Let's go back up to here. Because Gnostics, because people of the mystery school tradition threaten the alleged church authority. The alleged. Because they don't actually have authority. God has all the authority. They come in and be like, oh, we're going to uproot their false order. Their, their, their heresies toward God is really what it is. And what is the church's response? Just like the Orthodox with Gnostics. Ah, we should burn them. They need to be destroyed. Why? Because they're actually bringing palatable, making palatable sense of the Bible. They're bringing the esoteric back into it. The occult. They're doing the star study. They're saying, hey, this is Kabbalistic. <laughs> uh, Anti-Masonry. Opposition to Freemasonry. This comes straight, straight from the Freemasonic Encyclopedia. Um, although in general it has been overcome by the purity and innocence of the institution, the Roman Catholic religion has always been anti-Masonic. And hence edicts have always existed in the Roman Catholic countries against the order. Hmm, I wonder why. I wonder why the, the, the Pope Diddler and all his, you know, his ilk were hating on these boys that were doing what? Making good men better and actually making sense of the Bible bringing the actual study back into the Bible. That's, this is why the church had to burn these people. This is why they always had to be persecuted. It's happened, you know, it, it essentially goes online. It's not like I'm being burned at the stake or anything like that yet. But, you know, this is, this is going on. The Orthodox, you heard it from Father Peter Hears. I believe that's his name. Freemasonry is Titanic. Huh. Wow, just the same old song and dance, ain't it? Same old song and dance. Meanwhile, what did the Catholics say? You could get the gibbities. Everybody needs to pervert the blood and get the bling, bloop, 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 and make sure to get the boosters. And you can't. They literally locked up the Vatican to those that were not vaccinated. Do you guys know that? And we're, and we're the Gnostics, the Masons, the Knights Templar. Those, that's the tradition. It's even in the truth community, those are all Satanists. Are you sure? Are you sure? 
No, we threaten your authority because we understand that you guys don't know shit. <clears throat> One of the things that Masons do is lay the cornerstone, okay? And this is this has been you know this is one of the things they do. So what happens is, and this is an ancient tradition, right? And they just they keep this tradition up. They they uphold this tradition, right? So what happens is a building will get built, and then you know by an architect, architecture firm, or whatever like that, and then they'll ask the local masons to lay the cornerstone in that building. And of course, masons, even blind ones that have no idea what the building is, you know, whatever. We don't have to get into that right now. They'll be like, of course, that's what we do. We will go and lay the cornerstone. That's what we do. So then what you'll have is like Denver Airport or something like that, right? This this one gets brought up that, oh, well, Denver Airport, it's all creepy and shit like that. Yeah, it is, right? And then they'll lay the cornerstone in... Do I have this here? Give me a second. Give me a second. Talks amongst yourselves. The Partridge family was neither a partridge nor a family. Discuss. Okay. So what will happen is this. So the cornerstone will get laid because this is what masons do. Like the building is completely done, floors done, everything like that. Then they'll, they'll, they'll be like, hey, can you go lay the cornerstone? The mason will be like, yeah, sure. Of course. That's what we do, right? Then what happens? Everybody blames the masons. But right below, the, the masons actually tell you who the architect firm was and things like that. And it's not the guys from the Prince Hall Lodge. Do you know what Prince Hall is? It's black masonry. It's an order dedicated completely to blacks. Just so you know. What's the proper term? Africans? Negroes? I don't even know what to say anymore. Because who am I offending? Who am I not offending? Anyway, so once again, the blame gets placed on the Masons. Well, uh, actually, I would probably say it's the New World Airport Commission and the contributors of, uh, oh, you know what? What is it? Marty Marietta? I think that's what that is. That's, um, I think they're Lockheed Martin. So this is what Masons do. Now, when we talk about this relationship to Christ, well, Christ is the cornerstone. The cornerstone, um, we'll get into that. The cornerstone does not appear to have been adopted by any of the heathen nations, but to have been as the Eden Panah, peculiar to the Jews from whom it descended to the Christians. And hence the evangelical, which this is, once again, that's not, <laughs> it's not the Jews. It, this goes way, way back. And hence the evangelists constantly use it in reference to Christ, who is called the chief cornerstone. In Masonic, in Masonic symbolism, the chief cornerstone signifies a true Mason. So Jesus, all throughout the Bible, is called the chief cornerstone and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Right? Um, be as the cornerstone, uh, polished after the similitude of the palace. Um, 1 Peter 2 6, behold, I lay in Zion the chief cornerstone. That All of that in the Bible is a reference to the Masonic doctrine, the Masonic tradition. That you can't even, once again, it's one of those things that you read this, there's no way you could possibly even make sense of that unless you had studied what? The Gnostic tradition, the, the mystery school tradition, Freemasonry. That's what that's a reference to. Christ is called the chief cornerstone. The symbolism of the cornerstone which duly laid with Masonic rites is full of significance which refers to its form, to its situation, to its permanence, and to its consecration. As to its form, it must be perfectly square on its surfaces and its solid contents a cube. Now the square is a symbol of morality and the cube a symbol of truth. 
this is why one of the key elements of um, this lead to gold, it's the fool to the world, it's the rough ashlar stone to the perfect ashlar stone. It's that process of climbing that ladder, walking up those steps, taking that crude, you know, incorruptible self and finding inside is the eternal spark of God, the incorruptible. And you do that through your work. It's all referenced in the cube. Why? Once again, people are like, this, this satanic cube, this cube of Saturn. No, don't, don't look at this stuff through the eyes of Satanists. Look at it through the eyes of theologian, Christ. Look at it through the eyes of a Christian. This is the city of God, Revelation 21, 16. We've talked about this before. And the city lieth four square, and the length is large as the breadth, and he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. It's a cube. It's the cube of truth. This is, once again, why we discuss Kabbalah. Because what is Kaaba? It means cube. What is Allah? It's Arabic name for the supreme being. Allah from Arabic, Allah, contraction of Allah, literally the God from Allah, God, which is cognate with the Aramaic and Hebrew, Aramaic, Arabic, Hebrew, the whole bit. It's all a reference to God. It's the cube of God. And then what do we find? Well, the cube unfolds into a cross. The cube represents the six directions of space around one. The cube represents wisdom, represents truth. There's all the mathematics within it. We could go on and on and on. This is what masonry teaches you. None of this will Dr. Father Peter hears. He doesn't even know any of this stuff. And what does he call it? Satanic. Why? Because he doesn't understand it. Let's say it's just a, it's just at this point, it's just a tired old trope, you know? Another thing about masonry, faith, hope, and charity. It's the three, it's the, it's the three theological virtues that we actually find in the Bible. It's, it's a front and center to, it's called, called the cardinal virtues, the three cardinal virtues, the three theological virtues. Um, right from the Masonic Encyclopedia again, under the name of the cardinal virtues, because all other virtues hinged upon them. Faith, hope and charity but the three virtues taught in the theology of saint paul not old testy new testy faith hope and charity as such were unknown to them they're talking about ancient pagans and stuff like that but to these as taking a higher place and being more intimately connected with the relations of man to god christian writers have given the name of the theological virtues they have been admitted into the system of masonry or symbolized in the theological ladder of jacob the cardinal virtues the three theological virtues are front and center in masonry a, that's a Christian New Testament idea. Mm -hmm. Hence, once again. Now, I got just a few. Uh, we got a bunch to go here. But this will be good. And then we'll take a little break. Um, now, what you'll find in most um, conspiracy circles, and this is why we're doing this today, is to try to clear this up for a lot of people, is that, well, no, Judaism is masonry and masonry is Judaism. Right? And this is what they'll say. And then where did you hear this? Well, you heard it from a rabbi, obviously, right? So uh, this comes from, a, it's the Jewish Chronicle, and it says, It has been ever universally admitted by the order that to part masonry and Judaism isn't possible. In fact, to use a well-known axiom amongst us, amongst the Jews, a bunch, a bunch of literally supremacists, self-righteous, narcissistic supremacists, this is what they say. Judaism is masonry and masonry is Judaism. Then this is what they say. This is the net, and this is, people have quoted this all over, right? And then this is the next sentence that they say. Listen to this. How can it be otherwise when the very foundation of the order is the Bible? 
uh, biblical so as to render it impossible to bring anything of a sectarian tendency into the question by alluding to the juxtaposition of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yes, but let's talk about that juxtaposition of the Old Testament and New Testament. Why is it there? Why is there an Old Testament in the first place in the New Testament? Then here's the, here's the article that's right next to it. The Talmud and the Gospels. As if the Talmud has anything to really do with Matthew chapter whatever, nine or whatever that is. What is the, the Talmud which claims that Jesus is boiling in shit? What in the world does the Talmud have to do with the New Testament? Nothing. But some rabbi said Judaism is masonry and masonry is Judaism and most of the truth community went for it. <laughs> rabbi... Isaac Wise, the Jewish Tribune, New York, on October 27, or 28, 1927, said masonry is based on Judaism. Eliminate the teachings of Judaism from the Masonic ritual and what is left? Christianity? <laughs> Let me answer that for you, Rabbi. Rabbi Isaac Wise emphatically stated Freemasonry is a Jewish establishment whose histories, grades, official appointments, passwords, and explanations are Jewish from beginning to end. That comes from a guy who, who is... Uh, I mean, maybe he's a Mason, maybe he's not. I don't know, whatever. But he's directly in contradiction with what? Well, the three theological virtues, all of those Masons that said, look, this is directly from the Christian dispensation. This was a funny one. Um, Adam Green messaged me a long time ago because he's all about Christianity is a, is a conspiracy of the Jews. It's, the, it's retarded. Pardon my language. And I understand that. I'm not saying that because I don't understand it. So he sent me a message, and it was uh, it was from the Masonic Encyclopedia, and it was of the Noahide laws that, w that was mentioned in the Masonic Encyclopedia. And he was and he said this, and then of course he didn't answer me back when I sent him what I sent him. <laughs> so he's like, "This Noahide laws, the seven Noahide laws, is in the in Masonic Encyclopedia. Therefore." masonry is judaism judaism is masonry it's just a big jewish trick i sent him back this from the same encyclopedia if you're listening at home the the passage is called disqualification of jews from masonic lodges a long history of it in fact <clears throat> Now, the great principles of religious and political toleration, which peculiarly, peculiarly characterize Freemasonry, would legitimately make no religious faith which recognizes supreme being a disqualification for initiation. Usually it doesn't. This is why they allow almost all religions in. The problem is, is Jews don't actually believe in that supreme being. They think they do, but really what they're worshiping is Satan. And they're actually a supremacist group of people. So therefore, a lot of times what happened was Masons would throw them out, and we'll go. We'll we'll get into this, and this is why we're calling this Freemasonry, Jesus and the Jews, Jesus Freemasonry and the Jews, whatever. While there are many common aspects of Judaism and Freemasonry, there would have to be because there's Christian, and Christian is tied to the Old Testament because it has to uproot the Old Testament, as we teach here at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. It should also be recognized that because of the history of attempts to force Jews to convert, that they can be uncomfortable about being asked to say Christian prayers. Masons say Christian prayers. They quote the New Testament. They, they celebrate the three theological virtues. Jews come into the lodge and they have a problem with that. Hence why Masons, for a long time, threw them out. 
because they were not tolerant of other religions. Then there's a history of masonry talking about this. They say Christian prayers or otherwise indicate non-Jewish beliefs. Some parts of masonry use New Testament prayers, references to saints. The cross is a religious symbol. One Masonic organization requires aspiring members to swear to support the Christian faith. Jews must deal with these references to other religions by remaining quiet or not participating in those parts of masonry. Did masonry always welcome Jews? No! Gnostics, we embrace all the great traditions because we understand that behind the, esoter the exoteric veil is what? Esoterically, the truth. When you recognize the one almighty true God that's beyond comprehension, it's beyond language, it's beyond name, it's beyond description, it's beyond number. That's what they recognize. Jews don't have that tolerance for other religions. We do. As we talked about last live stream, Christ commands it of us. This is from J.W. Ward, um, wrote, wrote Mason, 32nd, 33rd degree Mason. In every race and every clime since the earliest days of time, men have, sought the, men have taught the mystic quest, shown the way to peace and rest. Bacchus died and rose again on the golden Asian plain. Osiris rose from out the grave and thereby mankind did save. Adonis likewise shed his blood by the yellow Syrian flood. Zoroaster brought to birth Mithra from his cave of earth. And today in Christian lands... We with them can join hands when you recognize that beyond the esoteric veil is that exoteric or the exoteric veil is that esoteric truth, excuse me, stumbling over my words. You realize the one all true almighty God and you can, just as Christ commands us, extend our hands to all the different faiths and religions, races and that sort of stuff in the world problem is you can't extend it to one religion or race or whatever because they don't extend that hand back. Masons understood this. It's probably not surprising that the country with the long history of anti-Semitic prejudice in free, is in Freemasonry as well as in society is Germany. <laughs> Most lodges there did not permit Jews to become members. And they even questioned visiting Masonic brethren about their religion at the doors of their lodges and barred Jews even if they were Masons in good standing in other lodges. <sighs> the Holy Bible, this comes from, once again, I, I don't, uh, Masonic, I'm, I'm not sure what the book is, but the Holy Bible square encompasses, not the Torah square encompasses, the Holy Bible square encompasses are not only styled the great lights and masonry, but they are also technically called the furniture of the lodge. And as you have seen, it is held that there is no lodge without them. Even other lodges that that have that are might be more um, dedicated to like the Quran and stuff like that or whatever, right? They still will have a holy Bible there. That's what he's saying. This has sometimes been made a pretext for excluding Jews from our lodges because they cannot regard the New Testament as a holy book. Finally, there were some of the rawest anti-Semitic arguments. Some of those who wanted to keep Jews out of masonry said the Jewish religion was inherently evil or that Jews were racially and genetically evil and could not be permitted in masonry even if they converted. Let's skip this. Okay, and let's let's finish this off here and then take a little break here. Let me talk about this. This is called the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. Many people probably know this. It's um, 
I'm not going to go too much into this, but it's basically a textbook for world domination by members of Judaism. And um, it was leaked out. And of course, people say, oh, it's all a fraud. It's all. But then you read it and you're like, well, all this stuff's happening. So I don't know. Anyway, in the protocols of the learned elders of Zion, it says this. Who and uh, it, actually it says this. With this purpose, we shall slay without mercy all who take arms in hand to oppose our coming into our kingdom. Every kind of new institution or anything like a secret society will be punished with death. Those of them which are now in existence, which are known to us, serve us and have served us, and we'll talk about that. We shall disband them and send them into exile to continents far removed from Europe. In this way, we shall proceed with those Goy Masons who know too much. Wait, why do the Masons know too much? Well, they had a long history of expelling Jews, right? We shall promulgate a law making all former members of secret societies liable to exile from Europe as center of our rule. It also says this, who and what is in a position to overthrow an invisible force? What's the invisible force? Who's the real secret society? And this is precisely what our force is. Gentile masonry blindly serves as a screen for us and our objects. But the plan of action of our force, even its, even its very abiding place, remains for the whole people an unknown mystery. Masonry is, is the scapegoat, in other words. This is what they're saying. Oh, uh, who is in a position to overthrow this invisible force? The mystery school tradition. And this is precisely what our force is, the invisible force. Gentile masonry blindly serves as a screen for us and our objects. Masons become the scapegoat. They become, they blindly serve as a screen. Oh, oh, this, and let's see, we're going to screw over the world and push our coming kingdom and, you know, try to literally make all of you chattel into our slaves. And everyone's going to go and blame masonry. This has been going on a long time. This is why masons call it riding the goat. It's a, it's a euphemism for Satan worship down at the lodge. It's a joke. It's a joke. Masons talk about it because they say, all of the people outside of the lodge are blaming us for the world's problems. And you know what we're doing? We're, we're raising money for the next Little League team. So everybody's blaming these guys, the Masons. Meanwhile, these guys are just telling you. <laughs> it's, it's that whole Royal Society thing again. So this is also what the protocols, the protocols claim that the Jews had infiltrated masonry and were using the fraternity to further their aims. This is happening all over the world. The, who, they've infiltrated what? Members of Judaism who would be considered antichrist. What have they infiltrated? The educational system and politics and money and Hollywood and the medical industry and everything. So all of these things are blindly serving as a screen for us and our objects. Would you call this, this comes from Jared Poole. He, he sent this picture talking about, look at this. This is a First Baptist Church and they got a big old Israel flag. The, how, the synagogue of Satan. That church right there is blindly serving as a screen for us and our objects. A lot of these churches are. A lot of these Zionist churches, they're doing the same thing. Everybody's blaming masonry. There's just as much blame to be had at the church, if anything. You're going to blame them. This is what Ford said, Henry Ford. The Jew has got a hold of the church and doctrine. 
in liberalism, so-called and in the feverish and feeble sociological diversions of many classes. If there is any place where straight study of the Jewish question should be made, it is in the modern church, which is unconsciously giving allegiance to a mass of Jewish propaganda. Blindly serving as a screen for us and our objects. That's what, that's what the modern churches are doing. A lot of these modern churches are calling guys like us Satan worshipers. And what are we doing? Calling this shit out all day long. We were the ones that were giving exemptions for vaccines. We were the ones that in the first week were like, yeah, that's all Satan. That's all satanic. The top to freaking bottom. The, the, the medical aspect of it. The money. Who's behind it. The companies. Since day one. Henry Ford, by the way, was a 33rd degree Freemason. Henry Ford was a 33rd degree Freemason. And you know what he, when he, when he made those Ford cars go off the line, do you know what he would put in the, in the, 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 what's it called? <laughs> he would put in the, why, oh my Lord, brain fart. <laughs> he would put in the cars in the box there. What the hell is it called? Jesus. Glove Club compartment. You know what I'm saying. He would put this book in there. The International Jew, the world's foremost problem. So which one is it? Is it the Masons that are the issue? Who's the real secret society? Let's leave it with that. Actually, no, let's let's say this and then let's let's play a little guitar. Ask more specifically about Freemasonry in 1798, George Washington wrote this. So far as I am acquainted with the principles and doctrines of Freemasonry, I conceive them to be founded on benevolence and to be exercised for the good of mankind. If it has been a cloak to promote improper or nefarious objects, it is a melancholy proof that in unworthy hands, even the best institutions may be used to promote the worst designs. That happens institutions, that happens all over. Government, politics, corporations, you know, something can start out to be noble and good and true and stuff like that. And then the organization itself can be infiltrated. And this is essentially what he's saying. So, um, has nothing to do with the tradition of Freemasonry at all. So, okay, let's do, um, let's pass the basket around. Thank you all for joining me this Sunday. We've got probably another hour or something like that. It might be a little bit long today because I want to cover this. But if you would like to become, um, if you'd like to support the church, that's how we keep going. Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app, subscribe star is the best way to do it. Or if you would like, you can uh, do a snail mail. You can make uh, donations or just send a letter, whatever like that. We open them on Tuesdays with Marty. Um, Kevin McNally, N2550, South Court, Monroe, Wisconsin, 53566.) <laughs>
no Blind Willie commercial, but hey, I didn't screw it up. So, okay. Thank you to all the people that do support the fine work that we do here. We really appreciate it. We'd like to uh, keep doing this, and we've got a lot more on the docket. So let's keep going. Do you know what the Masons called a, um, basically a fraud Mason? A Mason who actually wasn't a Mason. It was a, you know, basically a guy that went into Masonry, tried to infiltrate Masonry. Do you know what they call the Mason? This is the general term. They call it a Cowan. It's called a Cowan. In other words, a Cowan is one who pretends to be a Mason because he works in stone, but is not one. He's actually not doing the internal work. He's not actually heading towards God. He's not, you know, he's not doing the great work. Some fanciful derivations, this actually comes from um, J.S. Ward. Some fanciful derivations have been suggested from Cohen, the Jewish priest. Now this guy disagrees entirely from this view. (laughs) Why should the Jewish Cohens be more likely to pretend to be Freemasons than other priests? Well, we just covered that, J.S. Ward. (laughs) So... So, um, I see no reason to invent the suggestion regarding the Jewish priests. Well, I do. So, this is where I'll, di- I'll totally disagree with J.S. Ward here. Because what Masonry is all about is... So, he's saying there, like, Cowan, this term for a fraud, a, a Mason who's actually not legitimate Mason, right? Who's pretending to be a Mason. The, um, his name Cowan. And he's saying, there's been suggestions that this is from Cowan, a Jewish priest. And I'm saying that's exactly where it's from. This leads to one of the fundamental myths behind Masonry, and this is called the the myth of the lost Masonic word. It's a it's a story that Masons, um, basically any Mason that goes into the lodge, I think, becomes a master Mason. You undergo this sort of theatrical uh, this the theatrical story of the three ruffians, and I'll read it in just a second here. And so this is the like front and center, like this is the prime, the foundational myth behind masonry. And it's called the lost Masonic word and the um, the ruffians in Hiram Abiff. Now we've talked about this before, it's a good review, but this is essentially what the myth says. The legend tells us that one day there was this guy named Hiram Abiff and Hiram Abiff was the master architect at Solomon's temple, okay? Now this Hiram Abiff, he was out there, he was, you know, setting stone and doing all this other stuff, and he was attacked by three ruffians. He was. The legend tells us that one day, whilst worshiping the grand architect of the universe, which is God, just another name for God, within the Holy of Holies, Hiram Abiff, this master mason, was attacked by three ruffians. And their, their names were, this is the main myth of masonry. Jubela, Jubilo, and Jubilum, and known collectively as the Jews. This, a, re, a retelling or a, um, a re-theatrical sort of display or whatever of this myth is under, like every initiate undergoes this at the lodge. It's where these three, basically, Jubela, Jubilo, and Jubilum, the Jews, went and attacked this guy that had the, the holy name of God, the secret name of God. And what Hiram Abiff did, did was he didn't give it up. He's like, no, you're not worthy of it. You guys are trying to, using violence, threat, and force, and ultimately killing me, trying to take sacred knowledge. And you didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. So he withheld it, which is one of the most noble things he could do, as opposed to giving it to what? Nefarious forces. So this Hiram guy, the Hiram guy is, is really a guy that's uh, as a death and resurrection motif in, in Freemasonry. But this, this is what the Masons say that is attached to Christ, because one of, one of the things that's attached to Christ because of the death and resurrection motif. And then who killed this Hiram dude? Jubela, Jubilo, and Jubilum. And they were collectively known as the Jews. 
and they would be considered, according to Masonic lore, Cowans. Cowans. Or Cohen. Having, and we'll talk about this next week when we actually do the math behind this, the compasses and square. Having finally located the grave of Hiram, Solomon and his fellow Masons exhumed the body of Hiram, and a search was made for the Master's word, that name of God that Hiram Abib had, or that yeah Hiram Abib had. They didn't find it. All they found was the letter G, and that's why there's the G there. So there is that. Um, now the lost Masonic word. What is it? Once again, we'll talk about this a little bit more next week, but. Basically, what the word is, is recognizing, just as we teach what Christ is the word, as we know, we'll cover that again, but it's that, that um, actually here, what is the word? The word is what? It's basically a representation of the logos, which is what? Design, order, purpose, consciousness, reason, wisdom, incorruptible truth, the light of all lights, that pure essence of God. That's what the word represents, okay? So when we say Jesus Christ is the word, okay, this is what it's a reference to. It's the first thing that God spoke in the beginning. In the beginning, God, God said, let there be light. That's the word. God said light. Jesus is the light. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the light, the lamb, the savior, the whole bit. The Masons, their main myth has a, a, a researching, you know, seeking out, rediscovering this word. That's part of the whole, part of the craft of Masonry. Is there is a lost Masonic word, you have to find it. The mythical history of Freemasonry informs us that there was once existed a word of surpassing value and claiming a profound veneration that this word was known to but a few, that it was at length lost, and that a temporary substitute for it was adopted, being the G. But as the very, uh, very philosophy of masonry teaches us that there could be no death without a resurrection, no decay without a subsequent restoration. On the same principle, it follows that the loss of the word must suppose its eventual recovery. Now this idea of a search, what the hell happened there? Now, this idea of a search after truth forms so prominent a part of the whole science of Freemasonry. Let me say that again. Now, this idea of a search after truth forms so prominent a part of the whole science of Freemasonry that I conceive no better or more comprehensive answer could be given to the question of what is Freemasonry than to say that it is a science which is engaged in the search after divine truth. Amen. The word, therefore, I conceive to be the symbol of divine truth. Of course it is. It's Christ. And all its modifications, the loss, the substitution, and recovery are but component parts of the mythical symbol which represents a search after truth. That's what, that's what Masons really do. They're, they're seeking after truth. They're seeking that word. Now, the word is, as I found doing comparative mythological study, things like that, which is what us Gnostics do, the word's found all over the world. The Egyptian book of the dead are going forth by day says about this about the sun god Ra. I am the eternal. I am Ra. I am that which created the word. I am the word. The Aum in Hinduism is considered the first manifestation of the unrevealed Brahman, the cosmic creator. We have the word there. In the beginning was, in the beginning was Brahman and whom was the word and the word was truly the supreme Brahman. Then we, get, then we get into that alchemical and that hermetic corpus, right? Therion, out of light, a holy word, logos. Descended on that nature and upwards to the height from the moist nature leapt forth pure fire. Light was it, swift and active too. So down to earth he sent the cosmos of this frame divine man, a life that cannot die and yet a life that dies. That's the word. 
Native Americans. This comes from Native American religions, North America, mythology. In other cases, especially in North Central California, world creators are likely to be true creator gods, thinking the world into existence or bringing it forth with what? A word. This idea of the word is found all over the world. Now, of course, we understand the mystery school tradition. We understand that ancient wisdom, gnosis, we understand it what? Through the Christian scriptures, just as our ancestors did. Jesus is the word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So, the, once again, the word represents the logos. It rep represents the transcendent, the eternal, the superior, the supreme, the consummate, the predominant, the preeminent, the ascendant, the paramount, the superlative, unique, unsurpassed, incomparable, unrivaled, unequaled, unparalleled, matchless, peerless, boundless, timeless, permanent, enduring, infinite, imperishable, immutable, abiding, that's what it represents. That's what, that's divine truth, incorruptible truth. That's what true masons seek. <sighs> masons, this is once again, this is legend of the third degree, which is once again, that Christian interpretation of it. This is where the Christianity comes in. Oh, the old Jewish law, we're done with that. Now we've got the new law. Man setting forth on the voyage of life with faculties and powers fitting him for the due exercise of the high duties. What do we always talk about? The great work that you have to perform. Why do we talk about that? Because Christ talks about it. The workman is worthy of his meat. There's lots of harvest, but there's little laborers. We'll revisit that when we do Matthew 11 too. Um, high duties to perform here. He has been called, holds if he is to be a curious and cunning workman, skilled in all moral and intellectual purposes. That's what a mason is, skilled in all moral and intellectual purposes. And he's... Um, Basically, he's guided which divine, divine truth is symbolized by the word. Thus provided with the word of life, the mason, you know, he goes out and invokes the assistance and direction of God, basically, is what it, basically what it's saying. Now, we've talked about in the language, in the universal language of mathematics, pi represents the numeric word of God. The, the ratio, of the, the, you know, the universal constant of pi represents the word of God in the study of math. And we'll talk about that next week, okay? But once again, the word is understood all over the world. And so therefore, we recognize its universality. We recognize its transcendence. Okay? This is what masonry does. It reaches its hand out to its fellow brother. Most Christians will say what? We'll get into that. Most Christians say, well, you love your neighbor and love your, you know, and even love your enemy and stuff like that. And then the first thing they'll do is the minute they can be like, yeah, but those Protestants. Yeah, no, we, we can, you know. Uh, we're, we're trying to say, stop your denominationalism here. Stop dividing church, the, the church of Christ. All these religions, Christian religions, want to do that. And we're saying, no, there's, there's something transcendent about that, about that logos, about that word. This is why Freemason, you'll find Freemasonry all over the world in one of the oldest traditions. Freemasonry has been a living and vital force in the world without regard to race, tongue, just as we talked about when we talked about H. Tate, handsome truth, Right? We said, we're, we don't concern, it's not that we don't concern ourselves with race, nationality, ethnicity, language, stuff like that. Of course we do. But ultimately, ultimately what? Our lens is through what? Theology. That's how we see the world. Freemasonry has been a living and vital force in the world without regard to race, tongue, nationality, and geographical locations. This splendid order has spread all over the world, uniting, uniting alien races in a common bond of friendship and giving to strangers a universal language of charity and fraternity, which is understood and answered in every part of the <clears throat> flat stationary plane, the globe. 
Um, strange as it may see, the Chinese have held Freemasonry in reverence for thousands of years. It is the same Freemasonry that is, 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 is in its essential spirit and forms is known in Pendleton. The American Indians, we'll talk about that when we do the Ojibwe story of creation. The American Indians had it in all details. East India, Aztecs, Peruvians. It's all about the brotherhood of man. This is what Masons actually celebrate. Behold, now good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Psalms 1, 3, 3, 1. 1 Corinthians 1, 10. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisors among you, that you be made complete in the same mind and the same judgment. No divisors among you. And what are all these Christian churches doing? Dividing. And what are we doing as Gnostics? Uniting. Who's listening to Christ? Who's actually reading their good book? If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For one, does, for one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love whom he has not seen. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Pretty simple. Pretty straightforward. Once again, this is why we don't care about, this is why we don't concern ourselves with this stuff because we're seeing beyond this. We see the, the um, eternality. We see the universal wisdom. We see God. This is why we talk about, is why we uphold this. One God, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, and one church. The mystery school tradition will tell you about the one true religion. Natural and inherent. Just as we speak about the universal mystery school, the Prisca Theologia. This is what we teach, right? The, this is, comes from Eugenius Philalethes. Thomas Vaughn is his real name. Um, the religion we profess is the best that ever was, will, or can be. And whoever lives up to it can never perish eternally, for it is the law of nature, which is the law of God, for God is nature. It is to love God above all things and our neighbor as ourself. That is the true, primitive, Catholic, and universal religion agreed to be so in all times and ages and confirmed by our Lord and Master Jesus Christ, who tells us that on this, on these hang all the law and the prophets. And it does. It's exactly what it says. Now, let's get into, let's talk about a little bit about this, the mysteries and how they're secret. How there's secrets in masonry, but they keep secrets. Lots of people keep secrets for all sorts of reasons, right? One of the reasons that masons keep secrets, the main reason, several reasons. One is when, when a secret is kept, it entices an inquisitive person to go in to be like, what are you guys doing? What's going on in there? Right? And an inquisitive person that really wants to know will go and seek that out and actually find out what's, what's true. Right? So when somebody keeps a secret, that entices. The other reason is, is to conceal it and reveal it to those are, who are worthy, to be custodians and protectors of that information. This is what the mystery school traditions do. Albert Pike says this, and pe people have ripped on Pike for saying this. It's ridiculous, because Christianity is right in line with this, as we'll see. Masonry, like all the religions, quote, all the religions, including Christianity, Masonry, like all the religions, all the mysteries, hermeticism and alchemy, conceals its secrets from all except the adepts and sages or the elect and uses false explanations and misinterpretations of its symbols to mislead those who deserve only be, to be misled, to conceal the truth which it calls light. What did, what did we just read? Matthew says, go into the house of people that are worthy. And if they're there, then, then you know, <laughs> preach away and stuff like that. And then if you go into a house and they're not worthy, then what do you do? You dust off your feet and you let your peace come back to you and you move on. 
There are people that are not worthy of hearing it. <clears throat> Using false explanations, wrapping something up in a parable, a riddle, a mystery, right? This is what Pike said about the entirety of, of Revelation. You, there's, you, this is why Orthodox can't read it. That's why the Catholics can't read it. That's why any of these traditions can't read it. Because they don't actually understand that what, what, is, what is being displayed in front of you is full of riddles, it's full of mysteries, it's layered upon layer, and you have to penetrate that thing. And if you are an adept, a sage, and elect, who elects you? The 31st degree of masonry? No, God elects you. Freemasonry also teaches the doctrine of future life, but although there was no necessity, as in the pagan mysteries, to conceal this doctrine from the populace, yet there is, for the reasons that we have just assigned, a proneness in the human heart, which has always existed to clothe the most sacred objects with the veil of mystery. The most sacred things that, that we find in this world are often put, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a veil on them, there's a mystery on them, like for the exact reason I just said, to entice the honest, actual people that want to understand, to keep the Cowans out, right? And then to keep, to uphold the tradition so that it's not destroyed. It was this spirit that caused Jesus to speak to the Jewish multitudes in parables, whose meaning his disciples like initiates were to comprehend, but which would be unintelligible to the people so that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. The mysteries in Freemasonry were both secret societies, not necessarily because the one was the legitimate successor of the other, but because both were human institutions and because both partook of the same human tendency to conceal what was sacred from the unhallowed eyes and ears of the profane. Who's profane? You make yourself profane by your actions. This is why Matthew 7, 6 says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. You, you dove down into the bottom of the lake, got the pearl from the... the we talked about this got the pearl from the, the, the clam down there, uh, the oyster, whatever, opened that up, got all the way to the top, had this pearl of wisdom, and then you went and handed it some, to somebody, and they're like, oh, so I don't really care about this. What does it mean? There's nothing, whatever. And then they might even turn again and rend you, attack you, call you a Satanist, or say what you're, what you're preaching and teaching is nonsense. Right? One of the most frequent objections raised against Freemasonry is the profound secrecy observed upon certain parts of the, of the institution. To have secrets is not peculiar to Freemasonry. Do you and your wife keep secrets to the business that you own? Do you have secrets that you don't? If you own a business, do you, do you tell all your secrets to your, to your employees? No. Every trade, every art, and every occupation has its secrets. Not to be communicated, but to such as to have, as to have become proficient in the science connected with them, nor, nor then, but with proper caution and restriction, uh, often under the guard of heavy penalties. You ever hear of like KFC's secret sauce, <laughs> secret recipes? Your family probably has secrets that they don't want to tell anybody, right? We as Freemasons only claim a like indulgence. So far from wishing to deprive anyone of the light we enjoy, we sincerely wish all the race of men were qualified to receive it. And if so, our doors would never be shut against them, but our lodge, our hearts, our souls would be open to their reception. Um, 
If the secrets of masonry are replete with such advantage to mankind, it may be asked, why are they not divulged for the general good? Christ, or, uh, truth seekers say this all the time. Well, if everything is good in masonry, why didn't they just tell everybody? Well, they tell you why. Why are they not divulged for the general good? To this it may be answered, were the privileges of masonry to be indiscriminately dispensed, the purposes of the institution would not only be subverted, but our secrets, being familiar, like all other important matters, would lose their value and sink into disregard. They just opened up, it's like, oh, here's all the pearls. Would those pearls have no value? They would have no value anymore. Everybody would just go and be like, oh, it's a pearl. Okay, cast it aside, whatever. Not even recognizing what it took to get that pearl. We'll, we'll talk about this in a few chapters. This is Matthew chapter 13. What does he say? Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. The rest of you, you're not going to understand it. You're not going to hear it. And the disciples came and said, why speak us, us to, why are, you, why are you speaking in riddles? Why are you giving us false explanations and interpretations, Christ? Why don't you just come out and say exactly what you're supposed to say? What the truth is, divine truth. He answered and said unto them this, because it is given unto you to know the given, Kabbalah, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. That's masonry. That's masonry. That's the mystery school tradition. That's Gnosticism. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. We also talked about this. Christ goes in and he performs a miracle in front of somebody. There's a transubstantiation or whatever goes on in the Bible. We've covered this numerous times. Then somebody comes up and Jesus says directly to this person, they just saw essentially a miracle happen. And Jesus says this, don't tell anybody, keep it a secret. And he charged them that they should tell no man. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to anyone in the town. And he charged them, this is all Jesus saying, he's charging them, he's saying, you do this. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. As they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man of the things he had seen. Why is he saying, don't tell anybody? What? Because, once again, people are probably not going to believe you. They'll probably think you're crazy. Mysteries are a natural part of this creation. Mysteries are a part. This is how God made the creation, in one sense. A big mystery. Proverbs 25.2, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. It is glorious for God to conceal things, and it's honorable for kings to search out a matter. <laughs> Listen to this. This is Romans 11.25. Listen to this one. For I would not, comma, brethren, comma, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, your own stupid thoughts, it's not, a, it's not about what you think and your perspective, your opinion. It's about divine truth, aligning to it, and understanding it. Lest you should be wise in your own conceits. Those, those that are wise in their own conceits, and then it says the semicolon, and then it says this, that blindness in part has happened to Israel. <laughs> How many times is he going to say it? How many times is Christ going to come out and say this shit? Now to him that is the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. Since the, wor since the world began, this has been a secret. Okay. 
let's talk a little bit about this, and this will lead us into next week. We're gonna um, this will this this will be a perfect sort of foray into uh, next week because I was gonna do compasses and square this week, but I thought this was probably a good thing since we were talking about Judaism so much. We'll get off it, don't worry, until we get back into Matthew 11 and 12 and 13. Then Jesus is just going to force us to talk about that. So anyway, this is the compasses and square. Once again, most people, this charge, this, there's, this charged, it's like, you know, you see this, a lot of like truth seekers, that sort of thing. There's like, oh, Satan worshipers and stuff like this. As we'll talk about next week, this symbol actually tells you whole lot of things tells you exactly where you are by the way um and once again i'll cover all this next week but this is you know this is what most people see they see copernicus kepler you know galileo newton holding compasses and stuff like that in these illustrations and so therefore they say they're all masons not those guys were masons no not as far as i know there's no you know masonry didn't even show up on the scene like alleged what we understand is modern masonry until like the 1700s or something like that but as you can see from the lore masonry's been going on a long time just because somebody has a compasses doesn't mean that they're part of masonry it's it's you know that's actually a symbol for um occult sciences but that has nothing to, that doesn't mean that they're masons at all as you can see christ is right down there god is holding the compasses as well you know and so one of the things it's talking about is the fact that your bible is encoded Genesis 1-1, like I said, we'll cover all this next week. I just want to give you this um, to chew on until next Sunday. In the beginning, God created the circle and the square, okay? And we talk about the fact that that's what uh, heaven is a circle, earth is a square. This is known across the world. Like I said, we'll cover all this next week. But And so who uses the compasses and square? Drafters, architects, masons, carpenters. Carpenters. Jesus was a carpenter. So, once again, he's the cornerstone. You, how are you going to read those verses and not make that connection to masonry? The long-standing tradition of masonry. Jesus was a carpenter. So, therefore, he was very well acquainted with the compasses and square. I'm sure he worked a lot with circles and squares. He obviously worked with math all day. The ancient Greek noun tecton is a common term for an artisan, craftsman, in particular a carpenter, woodworker, or builder. The term is frequently contrasted with an iron worker or smith and stone worker or mason. Why would the term be you know, contrasted with those? Because when you were building a, a, a temple, a cathedral, stuff like that, you were working in all sorts of things, all sorts of different mediums. In fact, in order to build, at least allegedly, in order to build a, um, a, a, a like a brick building and stuff like that, you had to have a wood framework in there. So carpenters, masons, woodworkers, builders, architects, artisans, they all worked in all these different mediums. They were all working with what? Compasses and squares. In contrasting the stoneworker or mason with the carpenter or woodworker, we see that the notable difference in these professions are merely the substrates and mediums used. Wood and stone. In this case, wood and stone. The reason that these terms are often contrasted with one another is that they are both trades in which the subject slash language of mathematics is used exclusively. When we talk about the seven classic liberal arts, why is, why is the foundation of that four number and geometry? Geometry, algebra, trigonometry, weights and measures, scaling, blueprinting, every aspect of building and construction is anchored in maths. And on this point, nothing can be debated. Put simply, both the carpenter and mason use the language of God to complete their masterworks. And that's what we talk about. 
The compasses and square are the tools of the engineer, the designer, the draftsman, the framer, the mason, and most importantly, the carpenter. Lord Jesus Christ, following in his father's footsteps and his father's before that, mastered the craft of carpentry, which ultimately, as you're going to see, masonry is synonymous with geometry. It's the same thing. So when somebody says, I'm a mason, so you're supposed to be working in geometry, bro. And thus, um, when you master the crafts of carpentry, thus mastering the tools of his craft with those being the compasses and square. In the esoteric and anagogic sense, mastering the tools of the craft is understood as he who works towards building his own temple and constructing brick by brick his inner temple of love, gratitude, forgiveness, and compassion. The compasses and square draw the bounds of the earth and the bounds of heaven are symbolic of the eternal and ever-reaching love that God has for his creation, as above and so below, in earth as it is in heaven. At the core of every genuine religious teaching is that there is an ever-present, caring, loving, eternal, and immortal creator God all around us, within us, everywhere we can see or we can conceive. And this creator cares for and takes care of his cre uh, creatures and his creation and delights when we, his children, walk in truth. The compasses and the square, the square being the earth, the compasses being heaven, is, is one, in one way symbolic of that, that God is within everything, the heaven and earth. It's the first thing that is said in Genesis. In the beginning, God created all of it. This all-encompassing eternality of the oneness of God is captured and symbolized beautifully in the tools of carpentry or masonry. The compasses pointing up to the metaphysical circle of the heavens above and the square pointing down to the physical earth below. And we'll cover a lot of that next week. So yes, Jesus is a carpenter. He came from a tradition of carpentry. This, so we, we see where the G comes from in that, in, by the Jews. <laughs> the Jews, Jubela, Jubilo, and Jubilum, they were attacking Hiram Abiff. And they wanted that lost word of God. They wanted that secret name of God. And all they found when they exhumed the body was the letter G. Well, as we'll see, one of the things that this G represents is gematria. It's the study of the fact that our language and our holy book here has been encoded with higher levels of wisdom, scientific divine sciences. That's what it's a representation of. Gematria is a numerological, and we'll cover this next week. Gematria is a numerological system by which the Hebrew letters correspond to numbers. The system developed by the practitioners of Kabbalah, derived from Greek influence, and once again, it's, it's Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah, but it was derived from Greek influence. It became a tool for interpreting biblical text. Wait, who's, who does it really belong to? Who made the cube? Who made God, or who made the uh, numbers and geometry? God did all that. So, and one of the key things, and uh, let's see what I want to do here. So one of the things that the G is representing is the fact that there are our language and these languages have been, there's a mathematical foundation to them. This is basically saying that what? Uh, where is it? Oh, I'll just say this, that God is in our, our alphabet. This is really what it's recognizing. This is what that symbol means. It's basically saying, look, that, that universal language of number and geometry that's brought to us by God. And when we understand that angles are angels, the, the, even further, we recognize that, oh, so our language, every word we speak is imbued with this divine truth, if you will. <clears throat> Towards the Manichaeans, the most prominent offshoot of Gnosticism, the Templars, exercise a tolerant spirit, very consistent 
with the professed objects of their original foundation. Um, they, we talk about the Gnostic rites of the Mithraic cave. This is this mystery school tradition. The architects and stonemasons of the Middle Ages borrowed many of the principles of ornamentation by which they decorated the ecclesiastical edifices which they constructed from the abstruse symbols of the Gnostics. So, too, we find Gnostic symbols in Hermetic philosophy and in the system of Rosicrucianism, and lastly, main, many of the symbols still used by Freemasonry. This is why we say it's one tradition. It's, it's the mystery school tradition. Such, for instance, as the triangle within a circle, the letter G and the pentacle of Solomon have been traced to a Gnostic source. So Kabbalah, what is it? As we know, it's number symbolism. Number Kabbalah, which is what that G represents, is number symbolism. It's supernatural. Its numbers are supernatural, metaphysical. They have inherent qualities, inherent attributes. They're ordered. They're axiomatic. They're universal. They're emanations. They're the angels. The angles of light and the angels, the emanations of God, divine principles of design. God put them right in front of you. That's a science. This is why Freemasonry, this is what one of the things that their, you know, their tradition promotes and, and keeps alive. Is that this question, it's like, so Masonry is a direct reference to geometry. And we'll, we'll get to that in just a second, too. Why would religious studies be based in geometry and number? Why is Jesus a carpenter? Because spirituality is a science. Spirituality is not just your woo-woo thoughts in your head and I believe this and I'm going to go with this interpretation. Sounds pretty good. No. There's a science behind it. And that science is based on what? A universal system. Mathematics. That's created by what? God. So the main insignia here is telling you about what? Geometry. Once again, let's go back to Freemasonry defined. Freemasonry is a science of morality, veiled in allegory, illustrated by symbols. It's a science. And geometry is considered the greatest science of all. When you go to the, you know, not that I've been there, but, you know, if you go to the Egyptian, you know, Egyptian, the whole, that whole works there, man. Like the whole plateau there and all this. Stuff. What, is, what is the one thing that's going to stick out? Oh, stonework. <laughs> stonework. Number one, artistry. Unbelievable artistry. And what's the other thing? Geometry. The Egyptians were undoubtedly one of the first nations who cultivated geometry as a science, according to our records anyway. From Egypt, which was the parent both of the sciences and the mysteries of the pagan world, it passed over into other countries, and geometry and operative masonry have been found together. Speculative masonry is, like manner, intimately connected with geometry. Speculative Freemasonry derives its most important symbols from this parent science. When we talk about the legends and origins of masonry, this is what they say. There's a whole legend, like, where does it come from? How old is it? They have no idea. But this is what they'll tell you. As Egypt was the first country of antiquity to receive the germs of civilization, it is there that the first mysteries are supposed to have been invented. And although the Eleusinian mysteries, which were introduced into Greek long after the invention of the Osiric in Egypt, were more popular among the ancients, yet the Egyptian initiation exhibits more purely and more expressively by the symbolic idea which was to be developed in the interpretation of its allegory. I shall say, therefore, the select um, 
Egyptian mysteries is essentially where this allegedly this the high science of geometry came from. The prominent points in this legend being, of course, those on which the old believers of its most strenuous dwelt are. Number one, geometry is the groundwork of masonry. That Euclid was one of the most distinguished of all geometricians and that this esoteric method is teaching has been pursued by the priests of Egypt and analogous to operative masons in the Middle Ages and etc. etc. It goes way, way back. It goes back to the beginning of all creation because what? It's based in number and geometry. So what is the origins of masonry? What is the or, what is here's the answer to the legend of the craft, guys. What is the origins of masonry? Where does it come from? God. Directly. Just like we teach. Where does all of this stuff come from? Where does pi come from? Where does the cube come from? Where does morality come from? Where do ethics come from? Where does where does the the government of God? <laughs> Obviously. God. The origin of the mystery school tradition goes straight to the source. How many times have we talked about that? This is why we did so much on the geometry of good thinking, showing how you want to climb the rungs of the ladder. If you want to climb up the tree, the, the world tree, right? And all those angels and angles of the world tree, you're not going to get anywhere without what? The Trinity. You guys see... Go back and check that out. So what, uh, and then we'll finish up here. Thank you for hanging out. I really appreciate it. One of the things that masonry, one of the things that the compasses, the, the compass does is creates, its fundamental symbol is what it, what it creates is the monad. You can see it on the right there. So when the masons, they have that symbol um, that points up to heaven, it's like okay, well, what is what is that what is that compass? What does that tool do? It draws naturally the monad. You stick your you know point in the center and then 360 degrees around. What is that? It's a reference to it's symbolically understood, even cross culturally. It's a reference to the supreme being. It's a reference to totality, wholeness, divinity. It's a, it's, a, it's a symbol of the sun too. But what also is that symbol? As as we've discussed many many times, what is that symbol ultimately? It's recognizing God within. God above, Lord within, if you will. The monad, God above, Lord within. And this is what we say when we say that God is a circle whose center is everywhere and circumference nowhere attributed to, you know, St. Augustine and whatever. Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus and Voltaire. doesn't matter who said it. It matters if it's true. God is a circle whose center is everywhere and circumference nowhere. This is the symbol of the monad. It's what it is. And this is what Masons teach you. It's the core of Masonry in, in, in one aspect. This idea of representing the interior and spiritual man by a material temple is so apposite uh, in all parts of, as to have occurred on more than one occasion to the first teachers of Christianity. Christ himself repeatedly alludes to it in other passages. This, when St. Paul says it in the epistles to the Corinthians, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth within you? Know ye not? No. 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 Knowledge. Gnosis. This is where the word comes from. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth within you? And again, in the subsequent passage of the same epistle, he reiterates the idea in a more positive form. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? 
which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You don't even you don't own anything. You're not your own. God owns everything. Let's leave it with this. <clears throat> J.W. Ward again. J.S. Ward. Being made a mason symbolizes the birth of Christ within. And before anyone can attain to this mystical rebirth, he must have progressed some way along the road of evolution, have gained certain experiences, and learned certain lessons. In the earlier stages, man is bound in materialism. Earthly things satisfy him, and he is ruled by his physical passions. The candidate for masonry has begun to desire more than the material, wants that metaphysical, esoteric truth. He has felt the desire for spiritual growth and knowledge and so he has become what? Free. He's a mason that's building his spiritual inner temple brick by brick, and he's free to do so. Why? Because he's not under the dictates and dogmas and authorities of a bunch of people that don't have any clue what's really going on in here. And hence, why I'm a fan, I am pro-masonry. Because masonry is one of the key things that brought me to doing what it is I'm doing today. And what that is, is helping people gain their wings because of good parts. You know what I'm saying? Is it good, good, good parts? <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> did I lose a thousand subscribers today? Probably. That's okay. If you guys, what's that? I didn't even have to kick anybody You didn't have to kick anybody out. Yeah. Oh, Odyssey. And no one's over at Odyssey. <laughs> if you guys want to become a subscribe star, you can become a good bird, a go bard at subscribe star. You can become a Phoenix bird, a Kila bird, Cygnus bird, or you can become Tommy the Pete, my bird. Okay, if you guys would like to send any donations, we really appreciate it. Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app. Next week and um, next week we'll be doing the compasses in square. Then we're going to be doing Matthew 11, probably Matthew 12. I want to go into frauds, grifters, liars and how to build your discernment. I want to talk about meditation. I want to do the Ajibwe story of creation. I want to do, what was the other one I was working on? Anyway, there's lots of stuff going on. If you'd like to send a letter or anything like that, Kevin McNally, N2550 Southview Court, Monroe, Wisconsin, 53566. We are, uh, we are supposed to be streaming to Rumble this morning. I don't know what happened. It didn't work. But usually we're streaming to YouTube, Rockfin, Odyssey, Rumble, and we are on BitChute. Thank you to Content Safe for making that happen. We are also available on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. Sunday sermons there. Check it out. Get the app. Recognize. Learn about your flat stationary plane that you live on. Rockfin members, there's a bunch of stuff over there. All the sermons over there. Tuesdays with Marty. Music videos. Archived videos. All the old stuff from a lot of a bunch of old really good videos from uh, the old YouTube channel. Blah 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 blah. Documentary films censored videos, all that sort of stuff. If you do get a chance and you are in California, join us at the gathering, Cuyama Valley, California, August 18th through the 21st. You can get tickets there. Going to be great. Bunch of live music. Um, Head Flux, five times August. Ruby is going to be there, I think is what his name is. Um, going to be really good. So if you get a chance, go and check it out. Musicandsky.com. Musicandsky.com. We also have the church store. Um, really love if you guys uh, would support the work. Uh, tons of books, that sort of stuff. And we've got, it uh, looks like two two to three books coming out this year if it all works well. Okay, guys, thank you so much for spending your Sunday with me. I love you very much. Thank you all for the support.
Um, do you have your email? Let's say thank you to all the good. Goodbart. Which one is it? Marty? Which? Uh, I just hit <laughs> um, oh, you just hit send? Marty leads 33? Where did, where did you send it? I just hit reply. Oh, okay. So yeah. Okay, let's say thank you to all the subscribe stars. Butthole Surfer. <laughs> you just put that on there, so you made me say it, isn't it? Your Butthole Surfer 1337. Butthole Surfer is, you know, not a bad band, you know. Not a great band, but, you know, whatever. So, um, thank you to Butthole Surfer. <laughs> Brett Kirshner, Kenneth Rudzinski, Ruth Scott, Lindsay Chapman, Lauren D., L. J. Lo, I got it right this this week. Only took like four months. Samurai Deadpool, Adam H., Harvey Brown, Paige, love you, Paige. Sage Bear, love you, Sage Bear. Daniel Petrillo, you're all right. You're not too bad. No, I'm just kidding. Love you. Shannon Seal, Jem Brule, Ancient Order, Jamie Diana, 2634, Interrusting, Cynthia Holtzman, Perspective Bobby, 96. Thank you so much, Jared Poole. Anders Olberg, Javier. Amberson A. Cat, love you guys. Angie A. Tipped, $10. Happy Sunday. J-H-J-A. Tip 10 bucks. Blessings to you from your hard work and delivery. Gen X Rated, tip 10. Andrew Mason at 10. Ikleanda, thank you so much. Vanessa Byrne, 499. Thank you, Marty and Jen. Thank you so much. John Vina, great job as always. Uh, Amy La Sorosa. Amy, I'm sorry. La Sorosa, is that how you say that? 100, thank you so much. Love these lectures. You rock them. Thank you so much. Jared Poole. Thank you so much. Great sermon as always. God bless you and Jen. Thank you so much. Carmen Taylor still broke. You sent a dollar eleven. Hey, that's that's all good. If everybody sends a dollar eleven, we'd be doing really well. We'd build a church. We'd we'd pay you guys all to come down here and you know do a gathering with us. So if if uh, yeah. Anyway, Virginia Dare five five five. Thank you guys so much. Crystal Rose bought a coffee. Thank you guys so much. That I really appreciate that. All the support. We can't do this without you and. Let's just say support has been waning. It is what it is. We'll keep going. Doesn't matter. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Um, let's do this. May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. Okay. I will see you guys next, next week. I will see you on Tuesday. Hopefully, Tuesdays with Marty. And that's going to do it. We're going to listen to a song by Ryan Adams called... Um, Shining in the Dark, I believe is what this is called. All right, I, I love you guys so much. Have a wonderful Pi Day and have a happy Mother's Day and we will see you on the flip side. As always, many blessings and much love to all.
Everything.